0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long term travel, retiring or studying abroad or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders you've landed in the right place this episode is brought to you in partnership with my friends over at kona those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time know that i am a huge fan of the remote work movement however i also recognize it comes with some challenges One of those challenges that plagues many remote teams is employee burnout or employee dissatisfaction with their jobs. This is really hard to monitor as a leader when your teammates are not sitting face-to-face with you in an office anymore. But that's what Kona was built to tackle and they've done a phenomenal job. The co-founders over there are friends and people who have truly built something to help people and help remote workers more specifically. So I love what they're doing. It makes a huge impact for their customers and I'm excited to partner with them here. You can find out more and get 15% off your team subscription by going to the link in the show notes and using the code Chase at checkout. Feel free to ask me any questions. I highly recommend this product and am excited to hear what the About Abroad community thinks. Check out the link in the show notes and use the code Chase at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. My guest today is my friend Lona, who joins me from the beautiful country of Albania. And she has got quite a story to tell that I'm really excited to dive into today. Originally from Albania, she immigrated to the US, spent years as a world traveler. And fast forward to today, she's one of the leading voices in the future of work movement. But she's also a traveling parent, who has been able to continue experiencing a lot of the world through a multitude of different programs and ideas and concepts that she and her partner have baked into their life with their two young children. So it was really fun to dive into her viewpoint on continuing to travel with a family, but also wrapping that into having a successful career and experiencing some of her home country, Albania, which is somewhere that I'm about to be very shortly after this recording. So a lot packed into this one that I really enjoyed diving into personally, and I think you all will really enjoy it as well. Please help me in welcoming Lona to About Abroad. Yeah, I think it was so funny when I saw that you were in Croatia. Well, actually, I, let me clarify. Are you in Croatia right now or are were you just there and you've left already?
1: I left already. I oh, made okay. it down to Albania.
0: Ah, you're in Albania. Okay, so that's the that's the reason that we're talking today, which I'm so stoked to uh to get into, but I saw like something you posted. I'm like, "Wait, you're in Croatia too?" Um, I'm, I'm here in Split, so we're, we're recording from Split, and where are you?
1: Um, uh, I was in Rab, Croatia, which is an island all the way up north. Uh, it took me about 12 hours to drive down to Albania, so definitely don't, re- don't recommend doing it in a couple of days. Uh, but, uh, it was really beautiful to be up there, and right now I am in Tirana, Albania, which is the capital of Albania. It's also where I'm from. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. So you're actually from the capital of T- in Tirana,
1: there. Yes, I am from the capital, born and raised um, until the age of 15, and then I made my way to America. America. Uh,
0: okay. I'm. I got. We have known each other for a while. I don't remember. I couldn't like put a stamp on it. I'm thinking about it now, but a year, or two years. Like we've we've been in contact for a while, and I've. That's about the extent of what I know. <laughs> Is that like at some? You're from Albania. At some point. You, you moved to the US, but in between there, you hit like 80, 90 countries. And, uh, and now you have this awesome job at an amazing all remote company, Safety Wing, where you're like a big future of work thought leader. And I'm like, I need to fill in these gaps. Hence the reason I reached out.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Very, very excited to fill those gaps in for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the audience will be, will be interested as well. So, um, well, first of all, since we're both in, I'm, I'm just kind of like, uh, personally interested since we're both in Croatia, uh, as of recently, me presently, um, what, uh, what, what was like, where were you exactly? You mentioned this Island. I'm not sure where that is. I'm currently in split. Maybe we could shed some light on our thoughts on Croatia for the, uh, for the audience a bit.
1: Yeah, sure. I uh, was invited to speak uh, at this conference called uh, Unlock RAB, or R A B is the island. Uh, as many people know, Croatia has many, many islands, and the exact number, I think it's 1,244. So it's really incredible to think about a country like Croatia having so many islands because when we think of islands, we think of the Greek islands, and those are the ones that are the most advertised to us. And that's what we know. But really, when you go to Croatia and you see the coast, you are completely mind blown. Uh, It's so so beautiful. I've been to Croatia so many times. Uh, This last time was there to speak about um, digital nomad families and remote work and how can the mayor of this island make it an attractive place for remote workers and digital nomads to go live there. So it was really cool.
0: That is so cool. I think that's such a that's a, that's a topic we're going to spend some time on today because I think you're sort of epitomizing that that stage that a lot of former backpack backpacking digital nomads would uh maybe what Rolf Potts from Vagabonding would call like um what is what is the word dirt bagger, dirt bags or something like that dirt bagging vagabonders or something but like you kind of like were you had that stage of your life where you were. Traveling a lot, um, presumably on your own with friends, you know a lot of pe- a lot of us did that in our earlier years, but then as you progress through life, you kind of enter the stage where you have significant others, you have children, um, you you want different things. And I guess I feel like as remote work and location independence becomes more democratized and we're all getting more and more access to this, you're gonna have more and more people entering that phase of life armed with location independence but with a family in tow and, and still wanting to make it work. And I have the impression you guys have, have done that. I mean, obviously, Croatia brought you over to, <laughs> to have that discussion. So um, apparently you are.
1: No, absolutely. And I love this life. Uh, I mean, it's a very long story, obviously, how I got here. But uh, being a digital nomad family for the last uh, almost five years, Uh, has been quite eye-opening and I do get a lot of questions from people saying like, how do I become one? How do I travel with kids? oh, my God, should I have kids because then I'm going to stop traveling? And uh, I was one of those people where I was traveling quite a bit. Um, I saw the world very early on and went to all these countries and had this checklist. And I was going from country to country to get to 100, to get to 200 countries, you know. But then I thought, oh, my God, you know, like this is not that fun after if you run uh, after a list, you know. And I stopped doing that a while ago, Uh, but really when kids came into the picture, it made traveling a lot more slower, uh, and I really love this part, uh, versus... The part where I was just checking off boxes and I was going from country to country, uh, even though I had great experiences. If you ask me now, I don't remember many of them. Like going to Everest Base Camp, you know, like that's pretty awesome. Like I went there, uh, you know, going to places like Bhutan, you know, uh, not many people get to go there, uh, but they were part of like this 118 day trip, you know, one backpack, 17 countries, 36 flights. I mean, just like it's crazy going from the continent of Africa over to the Middle East, over to Southeast Asia, over to India. Yeah. Like very, very packed.
0: Sounds fun. Also exhausting. Yeah, and, also. Uh, <laughs> but, but it sounds like there, there are times like I'm, I'm in much more of like a, I don't even know if I can call it like slow mad fate. Like I'm, I even, I joked the other day. I was like, I think the slow mads wouldn't even like keep me like, I'm not very nomadic at all. I'm pretty like stationary, but I, Travel around a little bit, and um, and anyway, but I do have these like bursts of energy and enthusiasm where I'm like, I kind of just want to like take a backpack and hop on a plane with like a one way ticket and figure it out.
1: Uh- <laughs> I think what life is, you know, sometimes we always want what we don't have and often we think that if we had that we'd be happier um, but I, th- I think like where you are is really perfect and where I find myself now is great because I have this home base after so many years of having no home no possessions nothing and uh, being able to still keep that you know travel bug and inspiration alive by being able to go to places but still having like somewhere to call home Uh, And that actually is feeling good for me. And I thought I'd never say that (laughs) being a nomad for so long. I mean, over 10, 15 years. um, I, yeah.
0: I can, I can 100% relate to you. This is like actually a a challenge my wife and I are facing right now because we've been, we've like accomplished this dream of like, you know, there's like a couple big chapters, right? There's like traveling a lot as a younger person settling down, getting into the career, buying the house, doing all the quote unquote right things, saying like, screw that, sell all, the the house, quit the job, travel again. And now we found this like, what should be the perfect middle ground where we're like, you know, we have the location independence, we're traveling a good bit. We kind of like rent a place and stay put for many months or years on end. Um, However, there is something we're really finding like, uh, that you just referenced, which is like, not having your home not having your things not having your place where you're like not at all nomadic it's like that place you come back to and and i think that's starting to i know that's starting to weigh on us so that what you just said right there really resonates with me personally and i and i know lots of other people listening can can relate to this as well
1: yeah totally i mean my partner my husband was that person that like some stability so for the longest time i was bringing him around to all these places and he's like oh my god like please just like get us a home (laughs) and uh, finally during the pandemic we're in puerto rico and i'm like well, my mom is like, okay, now you have two kids. You need to figure out like, where is your home? Where are you going to raise these kids? And I'm like, well, I can raise them anywhere. I could live anywhere in the world. So like, I have so many choices. And she's like, Lana, you need to make a decision. <laughs> she's like, you can just not, you can't live this life forever. And like, why not? <laughs> so we're going back and forth. And then finally she wins uh, because of course, parents have some kind of influence on you. And um, we bought a place in Miami, just like I googled it online. I was like, I needed driving distance to Miami, maybe twenty minutes. Brand new, and uh, I looked, uh, went there, saw it, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> and then <laughs> we, you know, we bought it just very quickly. But uh, it turned out to be a good investment because Miami has become this um, huge hotspot right now, especially with uh, Messi just signing uh, on this deal, as well as many other exciting things going on over there. <laughs> And I know you're from Miami too. So
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know what's funny? I think I think I actually just mentioned this story recently on the podcast. So apologies for uh for repeating it for anybody hearing this again. But I used to think I was born in Miami, so I like I've spent four or five years there and then moved to North Carolina. But when I was a teenager, when I like started becoming 12, let's say 12 years old or something, I thought it was cool to say I was from Miami. Like I didn't like consciously make that decision, but I was just like somehow some for some reason started saying yeah I'm from Miami cuz I was born there that makes sense and uh so for my friends still joke with me they're like oh yeah you're you're from Miami um but I have spent a lot of time there and I love Miami and I do think it's even like it's a, it's not a place that people don't know about right like people around the world know about the city of Miami but it is really up and coming even amongst that like upper echelon of awesome cities in in North America and around the world.
1: Yeah, and and what I love about Miami is that the last 10 years of my life that I was um, being an entrepreneur and starting my own company, I lived in San Francisco and New York and between the two cities. Uh, And now in the last few years, many have moved down to Miami. So for me, I haven't had to make up a whole new group of friends because I already have friends from before that I basically just plug into. And that has felt so good to have these previous relationships that you built all of these years to still uh, kind of like go in and spend time with them. And that feels, you know, really good, especially post-COVID when people found themselves so isolated and separated from each other. Like we need community. We need people around us. We need to socialize even as parents uh, that have kids. Like we really need that. So,
0: yeah, I, I think I saw you mention something too, like about how, um, you, you know, like, com- I mean, comparatively to a New York or San Francisco, like Miami's, um, a more affordable place. Of course you have like the basically year round summer. Um, and if you're escaping during the, like the real summer, uh, as it seems you are, then you're like getting away from the, the, the rough heat there that can be pretty bad in August. I have to admit that, but, um, you kind of have like this big city. I remember when, uh, when Shaq went from LA to Miami, Uh, It's funny you bring up the messy thing, but when he went from LA to Miami, I had never been to LA, but I had spent a good bit of time in Miami. And he said, like, Miami's like a little baby LA. It's like, it's got everything. But, and I remember thinking like, a baby LA, like Miami's huge. Right. Um, But it is kind of like if you're coming from a a Tokyo or a, a London or, you know, or an LA or something like that, like, like Miami is a smaller ish city. Um, comparatively, but yet you still have like everything.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I've lived in London, Paris, Sao Paulo, Rio, uh, New York, and San Francisco. So I can compare all of those. And I really do love it. I think it's really diverse. There's uh, lots of interesting things happening. Then, of course, I'm from the startup ecosystems. For me, it's quite interesting to see innovation, to see startups being founded there or also moving there. And uh, also uh, the other things that are going on around it. It's a very vibrant interesting city whereas in san francisco it's it's quite quiet you don't you can't dress up to look good and go out if you want you, you cannot like there's n- really not an option in san francisco and, and that's why i love new york because they had so many cool events going on all the time you could look good you could uh, dress up uh, you know and, and go and have a fun night and with miami i have that option at my doorstep which is important as a european uh, i like to sometimes look good and feel good and, you know, go out. It doesn't have to be every day. uh, But I love that a city in the U.S. like Miami can offer that because of the confluence of all of these different cultures uh, that have made that um, a a thing. Like, you know, people in my neighborhood, like go to the grocery store in heels, you know, and I'm like, whoa. And it's it's a Latin influence, right? Like all the women are super well-dressed. You know, you go to the school where your kid goes and like the a uh, headmaster there is like all dressed up and looking great. And you're like, Whoa, this is interesting. <laughs> where just, have
0: I landed? Yeah, this is I amazing. Landed. Am I in America still?
1: <laughs> exactly. So I love being like in America, but not in America. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, the, the one thing that it's not, I think the greatest is that I, it's English is not spoken everywhere. So that's one thing that I miss. Uh, I wish that, um, you know, more English was spoken. <laughs>
0: I remember I, I did a internship for my uncle's company, um, who, uh, they have a a big real estate company there in, uh, in South Florida. And I, so I went down one summer when I was in college, did an internship with them. And like, as like the intern, you get like the, the kind of crappy tasks, right? Like, and so one of the days I had to go pick up a birthday cake for the manager of my department or something. And I like went right down the road, like their, this, their office is like in Brickell, like downtown Miami went to the grocery store right there and, uh, like tried to, I didn't speak Spanish at the time. I tried to like say like, hi, I'm here to pick up the cake. And the lady was like, if you like, like just speaking to me in Spanish, she's like, if you don't speak English, I have no idea what you're saying to me. And it was just so funny. I was, I was like, this is like, I know the stereotype, but like, this is real. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. 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 I didn't speak Spanish at the time. So it was like, I had no, I was like, it was really hard for me to pick up a birthday cake.
1: Oh yeah. 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 No, it's, that's been like a v- big culture shock, like meeting people and then saying, asking them like, how long have you lived in the U S and they're like 15 years, but they don't speak any English. So I'm like, wow, that's amazing that you can live in the U S and not speak the language of the country. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love what they, they say like a lot of things about South Florida. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, it's the, it's the closest country to America or something like that, or the closest country to the United States or like North, it's North Cuba or, uh, you know, just, just South of the United States. <laughs> it's like always cracks me up. Um, I, uh, I, I'm so, it's so interesting. Like I'm very tempted to just like step back a little bit because you've mentioned already so many things that are about your life that if you, we could, they could each individually be these, these, uh, single topics, right? Like you started in Albania, you immigrated to the US at 15 years old, you've been a, a founder in a tech company, you've lived in c- cities like Paris and New York and San Francisco. Um, you're traveling with kids, you just got brought to a, you you have a home base in Miami, but you travel around with your family, you just got brought to Croatia, you're back in Albania now, like there's, there's a lot we can go into. So I think the easiest way to do it, although it's like the most boring, is to just take a big step back, real quick, and say, "Like, can you kind of walk us through <laughs> sequentially? Uh, like, tell us the the Lona story?" Because I worry we'll never get there if I don't uh, if I don't force us to do that.
1: Thank you, and and you're right. We're not going to get there. We're just going to go back and forth with, with really interesting topics. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking. And I think it's something quite. Uh, interesting, I think, for people to see this unconventional path. So the main thing that I want you to walk away with uh, for the listeners is that this place that opportunity is not equal everywhere. It It didn't used to be that way. And that's the reason I moved to a place like the US, because I happened to be born in a place like Albania where there was no opportunity. And uh, now with remote work and uh, you know digital uh, internet and everything, we are able to access this and we can democratize opportunity, which is something I'm super passionate about. Uh, but that's why, yeah, like my story started there. Um, I really wanted something more for myself and uh, America was a place. Uh, It taught me a lot of like resilience and to believe in myself uh, because I really had no one else around me to believe um, in me. Uh, The cool part is that uh, I was able to go to school. Um, uh, During school, I was working for U.S. Airways and that brought me to really interesting places. Uh, I wasn't a flight attendant. I was in operations in Washington, Dallas, and, um, I, but I would get free tickets basically to go anywhere. So I would go on the weekends to like Rome, to Paris, to London. And often I would go by myself because like no one else could afford to go with me. I was in college and I would go, I'd shop in Madrid and be like, oh, cool. I'm going to go to the club and check it out. And then I find out that the club opens at 2am and I'm like, oh my God, like, why would they, why would you go to a club at 2am? Like, when do you finish? Like 6am? They're like, yeah. I'm like, yes. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) So that was really funny. I had to sleep until like 12 or 1am to go experience this thing in Madrid. Uh, So early on in life, I was like, yeah, traveling so much. Um, And then after college, uh, a friend of mine and I decided to go move to Brazil. At the time, people were like, oh, my God, you're going to die. People are going to rob you. And we're like, ah, what's the worst that can happen? We have no money anyway, so we're just going to go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're worthless. <laughs> we're,
1: yeah, we've got nothing. So we are like, we didn't wear any jewelry. We moved to Sao Paulo uh, and then to Rio. Uh, and really, we had the best time of our lives. Uh, we met so many interesting travelers and people. And this was like years, years ago. I don't want to you know, date myself, but... Um, We we had really the best time. And then coming back from the trip, I didn't want to get a job uh, after college. Right, I was like, I don't want to go into an office in a concrete box, spend the golden hours of my days there and then commuting traffic an hour and a half each way. So like I was living in DC at the time and traffic to go to DC uh, from Virginia was an hour and a half. And I was like, there's no way you're convincing me to get a job. So I tell my parents, I'm just gonna, you know, consult for different startups. And I started doing this thing with startups where I'd help them at um, conferences. And because I spoke all these languages, um, I've learned a bunch of languages during my lifetime. Uh, One of them took note and they're like, oh, you should come work for us. So I started working for the startup and started traveling with them from anywhere from Japan to Australia to Hawaii. And uh, it was so fun like selling uh, this um, SaaS product to doctors. (laughs) And so basically I was talking to doctors, to universities, and uh, that was, yeah, it was super fun for me. I, I saw this new way of doing things remotely completely, because when you sell, you can basically be based anywhere. And a summer I decided uh, to work out of Paris and I told my boss, I'm like, can I live in Paris this summer? And they're like, Hey, if you can meet your numbers, then that's fine. And that's what I did. I started working from Paris. Uh, during the day, I'd go eat my macaroons and all the fun things that I wanted to try. And then at night I'd be calling up doctors and selling this thing. And, uh, I did really well. So that became my life, uh, You know, a few years in a row working uh, from Paris in the summers and just really enjoying working remotely. But back in the day when there wasn't really like a reliable Internet, the calls to U.S. were expensive. And I think like when I could make it work, then can you imagine what we can do now? With the power of the internet
0: <laughs> oh so. it's incredible right we, we've come so far i mean pe- people starting remote teams you and i both work in this space right with like helping companies and navigate this world and they look at it with like these big challenging eyes like how can we overcome this this impossible insurmountable mountain of making remote work work and i'm like Dude, it's so easy now. (laughs) Like, you have all the tools at your disposal, um, probably too many to choose from, uh, all the best practices just out there being shared publicly. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, you were making it work through the like really hard times.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that, that set me up on this path of, you know, really being so passionate about this type of work because it gave me the ultimate freedom and flexibility and autonomy to live the best life that I could. And once I discovered that, there was nothing that could take me back. I mean, actually, later in life, it did, uh, because I started a company in Silicon Valley. My investors were like, you need to be in an office. You need to work 12 hours a day. And that's where also I started having an issue with the toxic culture of uh, something like Silicon Valley, where you know, investors are these people that tell you you know what to do and set up your working hours. Uh, but then you see them having this amazing life. And you're like, wait a second. So I am the horse to get you to this life. <laughs> I don't like this.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit perplexing. I'm, uh, I'm actually like, we don't have to go too far down this road right now because I got about a hundred questions. I would love to ask about what you are, the chapter that you just dove into. And there's, there's more to get to, but, um, I am curious about that. Like, cause you've done Y Combinator, I believe. Correct. And like you've been a founder in Silicon Valley. You now work for a very successful um uh quote. Do you still say startup at Safety Wing? I don't know. We're we in that gray area. <laughs> Scale up. Yeah. Um and uh and so anyway, I'm like, I just like like I am very curious about that space because like at Doist, for example, we are we're a bootstrapped company. And so I haven't gone down that that VC route. And it's just like, it's mind boggling to me, like some of the, like how you could, how you could, I guess, keep the balance that you have in life, the autonomy, the freedom, and also mix that with the, the Y Combinator VC culture coming out of Silicon Valley, they clash. I mean, just like you said, those, those investors were saying, you got to be in an office 12 hours a day could not be more different than what you're doing now.
1: hundred percent. And that's what we're seeing with uh, founders of like AI and other big companies, right? They're telling people to go back to the office. And uh, that's because that's the culture they were brought up in. You know, Sam Altman joined Y Combinator when he was like 19 and then he became the president when he was 24, right? So that is the culture that he knows. I respect him very much. I know him, you know, through Y Combinator, uh, but also I don't agree with him that, uh, the best work can be done in an office and in person and 12 hours plus a day because startups need to go so hard to be able to get to the end goal. Right. Uh, the cool thing about safety wing and where I find myself right now, and that's why I've stayed here so long, is because I love the culture we have built and the culture has been built you know, very intentionally. So it's not something that the founders just decided like, oh, I'm going to do this and let's run with it. They had built other companies before. Uh, the cool thing about the founders is they're also Norwegian. And by being Norwegian, because you have the safety net the government gives you, it gives you this like internal peace that usually American founders don't have. And, you know, us as Americans, uh, uh, you know, you've lived there a long time. I've lived there maybe 30 years uh, you know, we are an anxious culture, right? Because no one takes care of us. If our job is gone, no one will pay for our bills. No one uh, will pay for our house. It's all going to go in a second. So, you know, you feel inherently anxious. So you then build companies that are anxious. You build toxic environments. And that's where people don't like to be part of. So, you know, working with, you know, European, Northern European founders has been like a completely life changing experience for me. Like I never thought as a founder myself, I would work for another founder. But to be honest, like it hasn't been, it has been so easy that I really would not want to experience anything other than this. Well,
0: and, and two, two things that jump out at me. One, I think Safety Wing has done an awesome job hiring uh, founder types, right? Like they've hired people like yourself and Lauren, who's been on the show and people who have the autonomy to take a project and run with it. And, and like that's led to a lot of you alls success from the outside looking in. The other thing, as you mentioned, like working with Northern Europeans and how that differs from, um, what we're used to growing up in the U S like I, my founder is also he's Danish and the COO who I report to also Danish. So that safety net thing, um, also very egalitarian the way they like approach work. Uh, I have learned like like a fish out of water, you don't know like the waters around you, right? Until you're out of the water. And like growing up in the US, you just don't know that there is another way. And I'm not in no way like bashing what happens in the US. It's just a difference. And it and it's I'm attracted to that difference. Like I've enjoyed working in the way that people from that part of the world work. And some might argue like it's less successful in some ways, or you're not going to move as fast or make as much money or whatever. You can beat that horse one way or the other, however you want. But like, I see a lot of companies having a lot of success working in that way. And people are really happy and stick around for a really long time um, in an age where most people are, are switching jobs every 12 to 24 months. Exactly. Um, So there's something to be said for it.
1: Something to be said about it. And retention is something that's quite expensive, like if you lose that. So if you are hiring people every two years and replacing the whole workforce, uh, that becomes quite expensive for like a, a company. So anyway, bringing it back to your podcast and why people come here, I think it's very important to highlight that being, you know, in environments like this type of work allows you to then travel and see the world whether it's as a single person, as a coupled person, or, you know, with kids. And that is so freeing about, you know, this type of, you know, lifestyle that you promote, you know, and also I do, you know, the life-centric Uh, type of lifestyle, not the work centric. And that's what we mean about the European way versus the US way. And, uh, you know, because uh, there's going to be a shortage of workers, you know, in the future, and sure, AI is going to replace a lot of jobs. But really, the best people, it's you're going to have a hard time getting them if you're not giving them this type of flexibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. I am so excited to announce a new partnership with International Living. They are one of the leading organizations in the world helping people move abroad. And I actually got my start moving abroad via International Living when they inspired me to move to Ecuador many years ago. Long story for another day, but I will be teaching a course with the International Living team about moving to Spain, talking about some of the visa options available and a little bit about why I have chosen to call this country home of all the places in the world. So you can learn more via the link in the show notes and get a specialized discount only available through the About Abroad affiliate link there in the show notes. Go and check it out, sign up, and I hope to see you there. Hey guys, if you're still around and enjoying this episode, then I think you might actually like our once a month newsletter as well. If you'd like to sign up, just open up the show notes of the episodes you're currently listening to, scroll down and look for aboutabroad.com slash newsletter. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. It's a fantastic way to support the show. And I think you'll be pleased with the information that we provide every month as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. I want to know what is your, like, when you look at a year as a family now, what does your year look like? Like, do you, you know, you, you have a home base in Miami. You obviously spend some time in Albania. There's lots of time in between. Um, I, and, and it doesn't, you don't have to answer that question like as directly as I'm asking it, but I think you get the gist of it. I want, I would love for people to know the way a, a, someone who's working, Uh, you know, you have like a successful career, you have two kids, you have a partner and a home that you own and you still travel a lot and get to scratch that itch. Um, how do you approach that? Uh, like from a big picture standpoint?
1: Sure. Uh, That's a great uh, question because it's very practical. Um, for the, majority of the year so maybe like eight months uh, we will spend in miami however that's broken up in a couple of big trips so let's say this past year we got there uh, at the beginning of september uh, then in at the end of October, November, we were in Bali. So that was our retreat with Safety Wing for a week. Uh, you could tack um, in a week or two or more uh, and stay in Bali. A lot of our teammates stayed there. Uh, so that's a really great opportunity to be able to break up that um, year with the retreats that we host. And I know that you host quite a few of them. Uh, and then in, in March, we were in South Africa in Cape Town. So that was really amazing to be able to have a bit of a break and have another team gathering in a really cool location with your entire team and be able to make those connections uh, and really get excited for the next several months that you won't see your teammates. Uh, And then I was like, okay, we need need to leave Miami, I guess, for the summer season. So uh, let's uh, go towards Europe because for me, the ideal scenario is being in the US, but also in Europe. Um, I love Europe from all the places I've been to, um, like, like yourself. Uh, I just think that the summers in Europe are really the best. And I grew up with them and I just uh, find it very heart- heartwarming to be able to be in this continent and explore it from a location like you know Tirana, Albania. Uh, in Tirana, we have a lot of help. So for example, for those parents that are interested in traveling, with kids, you want to figure out locations that you can get help uh, very cheaply, but also very quickly. So uh, some one tip I'll mention is that by being in Tirana, we're able to put our kids in the daycare or kindergarten system for about $360 a month for both of them versus the thousands it'll cost in the US. Uh, and the cool thing is that you don't need to be in line. You can just show up uh, on the day and be like, hey, can you take my kids next week or like tomorrow? And they'll be like, sure. Uh, which is amazing because in places like Germany, where you also live, um, Chase, my husband's brother lives in Germany. We tried to go live there for a few months, but they're like, we can't take your kids in the system. You know, we're like, okay, well, that's a no go for us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a very real thing people talk about in Germany is like you, you, it's illegal to homeschool your children And you don't have any flexibility around their education. Um, Like as the stereotype might, you know, suggest like it's, it's very rigid stuff works really well. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge safety net there, um, but it's rigid in terms of that. So it's not really good for like floating in, inserting your kids into the daycare and then wanting to go again, not, not the right place.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, coming here, going to Croatia, being able to have the kids in the system here, then I'm going to go to Bansko for the uh, Digital Nomad Fest there. I've been going for a few years in a row. That's also a great kind of like family destination. It's uh, on the mountain, about a couple of hours away from uh, Sofia, uh, the capital. Uh, There's a lot of digital nomad families that have collected and gathered there from different parts of the world, and they're doing some different types of schooling systems. Maybe it could be world schooling. Maybe it could be another type. I'm not quite sure, Uh, but uh, it is a possibility as well. And um, Andreas, for example, who is a digital nomad family, is based there. So I know that if my kids come, they can at least learn from each other for the time being that we'll be there. And then from there we go to France. So like, there's a lot of uh, fun things to do while in Europe before we head back to the US at the end of the um, of summer. So, end of August.
0: Do Do you kind of see like I think the the maybe more old school person, you know, more old school parent, or maybe maybe we're just like in our own little world over here. I don't know, but um, I feel like some people might think. They might look at this lifestyle and say, like, "Oh, you're the, you're you're depriving your kids of um, continuity, consistency. Their their social circle, um, maybe their you know education wrapped up in there. If they're not like consistently in the the schooling system, which we all know is just amazing." Um, <laughs> the, uh, but but I see it, and I feel like the way you must see it too. So just correct me if I'm wrong. Is like this? It's not a challenge. It's more like an opportunity. It's like you just said, like, they're going to be there learning from Andreas's kids, for example, who have a totally different perspective on life because they've grown up somewhere else and had a different schooling system. And like, there's education baked into that. They're seeing the Louvre instead of, you know, reading about it. Um, So like, I see the opportunity there, but is that, is that part of the mindset Uh, or like, or how do you view that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I find myself be someone of like, we're very open-minded, right? So like us type of people being uh, remote workers or digital nomads, digital nomad families, we're very uh, open-minded. So for me, I'm not rigid in anything. Uh, I think that uh, whatever will be best for me will also be best for my child. So I kind of like take the approach of, I want to make myself happy first, and then that will trickle down to my family. And, um, I, You know, many parents see it the other way around. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that because at the end of the day, I want to make sure I live the great life. And I know that my kids will also live that life uh, because they saw this example growing up. Uh, So I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, Yes, I was raised in one place for 15 years of my life and then like moved constantly from there. Um, I don't know if it, that's good or bad. Uh, maybe some people have that early in their life, uh, and then they have they settle down somewhere. Maybe they never settle down. Uh, so we n- none of us know that the school system, like you said, uh, definitely is not um, where it needs to be for today's age. Uh, for example, you know, AI will, <laughs> he's doing some incredible things that w- kids, you know, whatever they're learning now will be obsolete. So I'm not so worried. And and just to answer your question, my uh, oldest is four and a half, five, and my youngest is three. So five and three. Uh, my son uh, can, like knows three languages. Uh, and uh, that's all from like being in different places and not, you know, he knows how to uh, add and multiply and like all these things like um, all all the like, how to write and I'm like I didn't teach them that I just put them in whatever local system they learned and I'm like oh, great okay so I'm very relaxed about this stuff I'm not the mom to be like oh my god like they need to go here so they can go to the Ivy League Stanford and like you know Harvard and I need to get them a tutor and da, da, da. you know like that's not me I'm very like relaxed
0: yeah <laughs> I, I can see that. And I like, I, I appreciate it. And I also think, well, no, I don't think I know because I see my inbox and I see the questions that come in about various topics. And if I was to put them into buckets, one of the biggest buckets would be something around this topic that we're discussing right now, which is like, hey, I really want to keep traveling or "I'm really I've got location independence now. I'm so excited. I've always wanted to travel but I have kids. So obviously I can't do that. And when I have episodes like this, where I get to talk to someone who's, you know, debunking that myth and showing how it can be done, there is this like red thread amongst you all that you're, you're all flexible and open and willing to like, see the, see the opportunity in this, I guess. And, and also like, it's okay to follow your dreams to continue to follow your dreams and bring the kids along for the ride, because they're, they're getting a pretty spectacular ride. Like I didn't leave the U S until I was 18 years old. And I saved up my entire senior year to be able to, to do that. Uh, like I I would have loved to have done some of the things your kids are doing. So I, I don't know, I, I see like a lot of excitement and enthusiasm in this.
1: Yeah. And then really, I, I also, um, applaud those people that can stay in one place and love being there because I was never that type of person. And I think that's fantastic if that's the path you want to go down. Uh, but if you do have that itch and you want to be able to scratch it, there's so many interesting things that are being built in the space. So one of them is Boundless life, which basically has its locations in Sintra, Portugal, in Syros, um, uh, Greece, in Bali, And then somewhere in Italy, I forget the name, Uh, but basically they have uh, solved this for you. So if you have kids, they have the schooling system there for your kids. They have a co-working space you can work uh, from the whole day. And then they have a bunch of activities uh, that you can be in community and you can... um, Meet others and you can stay connected. And it feels really great to plug into this different communities all over the world without you having to do the logistics. So they take away the logistic part for you. Uh, you do have to pay a fee and it's you know kind of expensive if you've been doing it on your own. Uh, but actually, it's not so expensive for those that are leaving, uh, you know, their lives behind, let's say, New York and San Francisco.
0: Yep. I'm a huge fan of what they're they're doing. Uh I think it's well actually we'll drop, we have like a, a landing page set up through Boundless Life for About Abroad that we'll drop in the show notes um in case anybody, if that resonates with you, I'm a massive fan of what they're doing. I don't have kids, so like I'm a total imposter from the outside looking in. Like, could I come hang out with you guys? Like I don't have a kid. Uh is there any way I could be invited? Um, but their, their locations that are amazing. Like the, I love what they're doing and there's, and that's again, like democratizing this whole thing because, um, for a while, like you might've felt excluded from the like nomad scene. If you were traveling as a family, um, there was like this distinction and this is, this is bridging that gap.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, and then nomad families are like really the building blocks for the future nomads. So, you know, my son got a passport at like one month old, and we started traveling at two months old, right? Both kids, they were born in New York, got a passport right away. And then we're out of the US, you know, somewhere else. And then they're going like country to country to country. And, you know, it's it's Yeah, I I listened to Darren's episode as well, and he was talking, Darren Murph, about how his kid built so much resilience, and now he's like a really good traveler. So if that's important for you as a family to have kids that are good travelers, it's important to expose them early in life, right? So that you don't have the crazy crying baby in the plane. We we never had that scenario. So, you know, it's like, I don't know, like they're just like born into it, and they just don't know how to behave. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> they're the fish in the water. I get they're like this is my water. It's it's fine. Um is uh I, I want to make sure we get some time on Albania but before we switch to that um is there, are there any other like thoughts, tips uh, uh from any angle like I'll leave it very broad but anything else we should touch on with regards to the, you know, nomad family scene?
1: Yeah, actually, I do give quite a few tips on my LinkedIn. So if anybody wants to connect, feel free there. Um, you'll see that I talk about this type of thing. Uh, as a nomad family, what I found interesting, if you want to do it on your own, uh, figure out where are the hotspots for these families. So like Bansko is one I mentioned. Another one is Playa del Carmen, you know Bali, a few different ones that if you want to try this on your own, you can. You can go on Facebook. There is uh, local Facebook groups. Uh, or WhatsApp uh, groups, and basically you can meet with other families there, Um, you can figure out what is the best uh, solution for uh, your child's education, uh, just through Facebook. And, uh, you know, if you travel to places that are not like Western world, you're going to have the best chances of getting uh, your kids into the system, right? So whether that is a daycare, kindergarten, maybe first or second grade, uh, you you go to places that are not the main places, like the US and, you know, France and those, you'll find uh, you really good help there. But, you know, those are some things. And then if you need community, there are, you know, certain groups, uh, but also there's boundless as well, which is nice.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really helpful. I actually want to ask one more question. It's, it's, it's kind of personal. So, feel free to not answer we can cut this part out if uh, if we choose to but did you find like was there ever a point where you questioned because of your nomadicness and desire to travel that you guys would have kids and was it something that you like like you thought might prevent you from continuing to live the lifestyle that you that you wanted and if so how did you overcome that and if not tell me to shut up
1: <laughs> No I mean I'm the best person you can ask this question to because I I had kids late in life so I traveled extensively throughout so many places because and I always pushed the kid thing you know forward and forward I'm like oh you know in a couple of years oh in three years or whatever right and then the just the, the milestone just kept getting further and further uh, but what I would say now having kids is that I should have done it earlier And I shouldn't have said like, oh, I I should be here in my career. I should be there, you know, with all the countries I want to see. I should have just done it because now that I look back, I've kind of like forgotten all those experiences anyway. (laughs) So I'm like, what's the point? And I can do them with my kids, you know? So like, there's no reason to push that further down because then you, you know, like when you're an older parent, it's like you know, a little bit harder <laughs> within many things. So if you're like a younger parent, you, you have a bit of an advantage. Um, so I'd say if you have those doubts, you know, don't, as long as you're like in a good relationship and you feel connected to your partner, uh, you know, a child will just make that relationship even more valid. Uh, you know, I was in a relationship uh, before without a child for many, many years. And after a while, you lose the point of the relationship. So I'd say that definitely, if you have a good connection and you have a great great partner, you you need something else to have you look forward to and to plan for the future and build that uh, future together.
0: Yeah, and I and I also think that what highlight like what what really jumped out to me there is that you you get to have these experiences one way or the other. They're just like maybe slightly different, but not necessarily. Uh, lesser than because you're, you're bringing your kids with you. Like it's a new experience it's a different one. And it doesn't mean that you have to trade that lifestyle for, for a totally different lifestyle. And and you kind of personify that for yeah, me. And
1: for women, like don't push it too far. You know, like I, the biology is just like, hasn't catch uh, caught up with us yet. You know, we want to have kids when we are 50, but we actually can't. So, I mean, sure. Like there are certain things to be done, but naturally you want to be able to stay with your clock. So.
0: Yeah, yeah that 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 is a the biological clock is a real thing (laughs) we have to deal with. Um, well, thank you for for sharing that. I know it's a little bit personal, but um, appreciate that. Um, okay, switching over to Albania. So I got to give some context here. I am traveling to Albania uh, in a couple days. Like I'll be I'll be traveling through Albania, unfortunately, on a much tighter schedule than I was. Planning to, I don't know if I told you this or not, but like my, I'm supposed to be doing this road trip to Greece through Croatia, Albania, a little bit of Bosnia and Montenegro, and uh, my van broke down. Um, I can't have a drive a camper van. I don't live in it, but I travel in it for a month or two a year. And um, anyway, it broke down in Croatia, and so I've kind of been like stuck in Split for several weeks, which has obviously cut into my to my road trip. So I'm going to spend less time in Albania than I planned, but for maybe for our purposes of this conversation, because I've been waiting to do a lot of research on Albania until I got to talk to you, the pro from, from Tirana, um, is like, I want to, I want to just like shed some light on why Albania is such this, it's like an up and coming hotspot on the nomad scene. Um, it's got a digital nomad visa. Now people are talking about it as kind of like that next place. That's, that's, uh, so somewhat still undiscovered, but, you know, becoming more and more discovered. And so, I don't know, I just kind of want to like get an overview from you, like what, what you see as the reason for that with Albania, what people should know, what I should know, and we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited to be present in Albania, actually, while you're going to come down here, but also to witness this very special time right now, where there is this interest in the country uh, and the reason I believe this is happening is because we've seen a democratization of social media, meaning in the past, we used to see places where to go. So Italy was the one or Greece or France because they paid for the advertisement for you to go there. So everything you saw on Vogue and Condé Nast and all of these great magazines were, you know, these great places, but usually Italy, you know, Greece or France because they paid for this, right? And then now with TikTok and Instagram. People are shedding light in so many other countries that people had never heard of. And they're seeing like visuals of these places and they're like, whoa, look at those mountains. Look at that clear, crystal clear blue water. Like that's where I want to be. Oh, wait. And it's like $50 a night versus $500 a night. OK, I'm booking my ticket now, right? And Albania has seen like this huge explosion in the last you know year or so where now I'm walking down the street and I'm hearing all this, you know, tourists of different, you know, languages, anything from German to Italian to Spanish. And I'm just so impressed because Albania used to be this closed country, especially during communist times. Uh, and then in the 90s, didn't have much like with its uh, politicians. So it was very corrupt uh, and it just went nose diving. Uh, however, in the last, you know, 10 years, I'd say they've had a really good governance and that's been bringing a lot of change so you'll see a ton of new buildings go up uh and this reminds you of dubai in the, the back in the day where you'd see like a crane like so many cranes in the sky and here you can also see all these cranes and it's something that you don't expect of tirana albania you're like what where the heck is that <laughs> so it's like it's got this like modern you know skyscrapers that are going up and like it's really beautiful it's like a very much of a cafe life uh, in tirana so a ton of um cool cafes really good food so uh, much better food than croatia i would say uh, just because like it's a mix of like italian turkish and greek so very like tasty um the the um, the, the vegetables that taste so good so like the main ingredients are, are so great that make the dishes very good also quite inexpensive still uh, but yeah Tirana is great to come check it out you know for as men, as much time you have uh, it's funny because I have a colleague who's uh, from California and he's American with his uh, wife they came to Albania for like a few weeks. And then they came in and they're staying here for a year because we love it so much. And they travel all over the world and they love traveling, but like they love Tehran and they're just like, here, I'm like, this is awesome.
0: Could I, could I tell you a funny story on that really quick? Because I had a similar experience. I, so years ago, I want to say about seven, well, I know it was seven years ago um, because I met this, my wife and I met this couple, an American couple from Seattle on a ferry on our way over to Ireland Um, and they ended up, they were, they were living in an RV for two years, driving around Europe, uh, and all, not just Europe, all over. Uh, they took ferries and went to, into Northern Africa. They drove uh, over in through, through Turkey, a little bit into the Middle East. Like they were, they were all over and, but they spent two years doing this. So they had seen everything and, um, and their favorite place in the world of all they've seen was Albania. And they were, this was seven years ago. And I remember thinking like, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but I was like, really? Like of all the places, like it, it was Alba- like, I don't know anything about Albania. And they went on and on talking about They were like, it is like that, like picture what you see in the Conde Nast of Italy's coastline, right? It's the exact same coastline. Picture what you see of Croatian islands. It's literally right there. It's the exact same thing, but for way less and, and just like Um, they they talked a lot about like the friendliness that they didn't expect and uh and the mountains. How like you think about like the coastline is one thing, but the mountains. So I found that hilarious. It was and they ended up staying because you can, I guess, for I want to say they were there for like six months or they ended up staying for a long time just in Albania.
1: Yeah, as an American you can stay up to a year. But yes, the things that they like the most is the friendliness of the people, the um, yeah, like speaking English, like everybody will, you know, be able to speak to you back in English and you will be able to get around. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the nature is just like stunning. Right. I haven't made it up to the north and I really want to. I sent you that uh, Instagram page. I was like, go to this Instagram page, check it out, because I think it's like very visual for everyone. Right. Like Chase, um, you're like, OK, where do I go in Albania? And even now I hesitate to say, oh, you should go here, here and there. I want you to see like, what are you most attracted to, right? Like what are you drawn to and see it through your lens versus me telling you where to go. Uh, I can recommend you like good places to eat. Like for example, there's this tartuffe shop which makes truffle pasta. So fresh truffle pasta with fresh truffles. And guess uh, it's carbonara pasta with truffles on top. And what is the price, right? $8. Oh, yeah
0: eight to get out of here. That's, I,
1: mean, <laughs> $8. That's, I
0: mean, I mean, I've just, I'm here in Croatia. I'm kind of surprised by this in Croatia. It's not, I know I'm in split, which is like, I mean, and I've but I've seen a little bit of Croatia now, but it's not inexpensive. It's, it's pretty expensive. Um, like, like, uh, you know, somebody from certain places of the world might say like laugh at that, but I think, you know, you're, you're not talking about that different with, uh, from what you would find in Italy or, or uh, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a bit more expensive than you might expect. So to hear $8, for example, for like an amazing pasta dinner, like that's that's wild.
1: I go there every <laughs> night. Last night I was there with my son. He's like four and a half years old and he's eating the, the pasta and I, I get the leftovers too. So I'm like, I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the best part. It's the
1: best part, yeah. But it's so cool. Like I cannot do that in Miami and that's why I love places like this. It's like in Miami, they'll cost me, I don't know, hundreds of dollars and I, I just can't do it. So basically we don't go out at all in Miami and then we save it all for Albania. So here we don't cook, we don't clean. We just like go out every night <laughs> and it's like the best thing, you know, it's like so much fun.
0: You could live a really good quality of life. That's the, that's the whole point, right? Like, And uh, and, and then if you surround it with like friendly people, beautiful landscapes, um, quick ability to like get to other places cultures and countries and hear new languages, which scratches that itch for people like you and I, like it's, it's a really awesome location.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, that's why I love, you know, being here and people ask me sometimes from Albania, they're like, you've been to all these countries in the world. Like, why are you here? And that's the thing, like Albanians don't value their country as much uh, as others do when they come from the outside. So for me, because I've lived abroad for so long, because I've seen the world, I know what value looks like, and I'm gonna go and milk that value as long as I can. <laughs>
0: don't take it for granted. And don't take it for
1: granted because it's gonna go up. I mean, the price of that pasta was five euros last. I mean, five dollars last year. So it has gone up, and it will continue to go up. Unfortunately, so I'll be around here until you know it goes on par with something else, and I'll move to the other place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Geo arbitrage at its best. I, I love it. Um, we're, So we're when we're thinking about the the country as a whole like there i know you want to avoid trying to like push me in one direction the other but what are some hot spots i think a lot of people might know tirana and then their knowledge base stops there so um just enlighten us on like a few other places that you might want to put on the on the bucket list if you're making the trip to albania
1: yeah definitely so uh another place or, or
0: even areas like, you know, if general areas don't yeah.
1: okay, good, good areas are better. Yeah. So like the South coast uh, is where it gets really beautiful. So like, you know, Vlora and down. So for example, Tirana is here. If you go 20 minutes towards the coast, you're on the beach, but the beach is there. Like the water is not like the crystal clear blue waters, which I love. That's where I go a bit further South. And that's where it starts in Vlora. Uh, Vlora is like the main biggest city South, uh, uh, that's where you can start your trip, but then you can go even further down the coast, which is more like green and unexplored. And that's what I love even more. So there's areas to go uh, in Albania. You can start um, with the south. So as I said, like go to Vlora first, and that's where you'll have like the most beautiful waters and nature. Uh, i would go to Thermi, which is post of Vlora. You go up a huge mountain and then you come down and you see this like amazing view and uh, this picturesque you know, coast—it's uh, a really nice, like, fun drive on the side. You can go all the way to Saranda, which is on the southern border with Greece. Uh, that's where there's like three islands, which is uh, Corf- um, a few, yeah, nearby Corfu. Uh, and yeah. if, if you want,
0: what, to what the do there. you think of that area? What's the because uh, that's one that's like popped up on Instagram a lot for me, and I don't know—is it? You know, I get a little skeptical when I see the same like three or four pictures over and over again, and I'm like is this place just going to be super tour? Like this is getting that, that Condé Nast example that you've mentioned earlier. Like, am I going to go there and just feel like I'm in like a tourist zone? Um, but it also looks so freaking beautiful. I'm like, well, I kind of want to go there.
1: Yeah. Like the Amalfi Coast, right? It's like super Right. Cool. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, like yeah, like, like I did not enjoy my trip to the Amalfi Coast. I was like, this is, this is like Disney World. It's not, it's, uh, I just be- feel like I'm packed. Right. It's like,
1: okay. Like yeah. I'm in Capri, right? It's like, yeah, sure. Beautiful rock, you know, like, but basically, it's like really nice hotels that make it so nice, you know, like, but like the nature itself, like you can't really swim in Capri and like don't have like a really nice cove or like, if you're in the other areas.
0: Precisely. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, no,
1: in, in the south, you're right. Um, Saranda is a nice city and a lot of Americans like have been basing themselves and also other people around the world. Uh, like there is a big nomad cruise uh, cruise. Conti- um, contingent contingency <laughs> that just came through and they're going to Saranda uh so a bunch of nomads are going down there um I personally don't recommend it is a little bit further down so from Tirana it's like a four-hour drive uh and yeah it's nice but like you can get that with a closer drive and there's some you know really beautiful bays that, that you can uh see but uh, yeah I'll, I'll give you some recommendations kind of like where to go but uh you know that Instagram page is also cool to see like discover Albania or like guida Albania and you can see some interesting places to go
0: yeah I'm I'm loving following along and it's just like uh it just looks it looks like what Croatia was like 10 years ago when people were like just starting to talk about it maybe I don't know if the 10 tenure marks correct or not but you know somewhere around there where it's like this why 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 is this not like the place that people are going to and it you know maybe over the next handful of years it's going to become more that but i want to get in there before it becomes like too overrun yes <laughs> i guess no you do
1: want to get here before it becomes because yeah the secret is out and everybody's here now so it's kind of like whoa what happened and also yeah all the budget airlines have all come in so that makes uh, it much more accessible and cheaper whereas before it used to be super expensive to get to tirana it was like 400 to get from like rome to tirana now it's like 15 dollars
0: mm. <laughs> wow <laughs> so
1: now we're just getting like loads of like tourists and especially like the backpacker type so
0: What's the uh what's the vibe there like from the locals are they uh, is there a backlash against that or are they welcoming no, it No
1: they're very welcoming it they're very happy I think once it gets to maybe the next level they might start but you know I They're very welcoming. That's like one thing I wanted to mention is that when you go to a new place as a nomad family or as a nomad, make sure you negotiate like the local rates. So, for example, for Airbnb, I always negotiate like a monthly rate that is on par with what locals are paying. Sure, many of them will be like, oh, no, it doesn't make sense for me. I'm looking to make, you know, 4X. Uh, but for me doing that, I, I feel good about, you know, not inflating those local prices and basically driving people out of their homes to convert them to Airbnbs.
0: Yeah, 100% good point. That's, uh, I I totally agree with that. And it's also okay to do like, I, I think some people might feel like they're not supposed to do that or something. But it is, I mean, this is a win win scenario um, for, for everyone, including the locals. Um, so it's it's okay to to try that. And, um, and I also think that's part of the beauty of like slower travel, like going and staying somewhere for a month. Um, you have that ability, like, you, you know, you have some buying power there. And, uh, I know like my landlord, I rented it because my van broke down. I rented a place here and split on Airbnb, like literally got on there and booked it for the next day. And, uh, the guy was thrilled. Like he was like, yeah, I mean, my place is filled for, like a month now, basically, you know, that's amazing.
1: Same, I'm <laughs> um, an Air, in an Airbnb as well in Tirana. So I just like, you know, negotiate every time I come and, you know, it's like always. Yeah.
0: Place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, I could, I could definitely spend a lot of time picking your brain on Albania, but I have like a nice, nice little overview and I'm going to be, uh, messaging you privately about some other things probably. So, um, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'd also cognizant of time and realize I've, I've kept you longer than I, I said I would. So um, I feel like we got around to a lot and yet I feel like I only scratched the lona surface in a lot of ways. Like I wanted to dive deeper on, on so many things. And one of the stories that you told today that really sticks out to me is how you would fly over for like weekend trips when you were working at the airline in, uh, in D.C., And like, just like, I'm going to go to Rome for the weekend or Madrid for the weekend. And I think that is, that is such a cool thing (laughs) that you were, you were doing that. And it reminds me of when, um, there was a point in my wife and I's life where we were both had like stable careers in the U S again, like we kind of thought we were leaving the, trying to leave the like travel lifestyle behind and her boss She was like making good money and her boss was like, you need to learn how to enjoy this. Like you have this mentality that you can't use this money or something like you're, you're not, you know, like you're not worthy of it or something, but like you do, do whatever makes you happy with this money. And she came home and she's like, Hey, we're, we're flying to Europe in like two weeks. And, and we went for like, I think we went for four days, like we flew over, we did like two, we did a typical American thing, like saw like three cities in four or five days, flew back, we're back at work, like, you know, jet lagged and whatever. But I just think um, there's something about people who are willing to like, just go and just like, just experience it, just dive in and like, figure it out, deal with the jet lag, deal with, you know, pulling the kids out of school and putting them in a new school and like, just, just going and doing it. And I, I love meeting people that are that are willing to do that and have been doing it a long time. So thanks for sharing all those experiences It's like really fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, is there anything, I know people are going to be wanting to follow along, listen to hear more from you and, and probably connect. Where should people go to, um, to connect with you, learn more about what you do either professionally, personally, Um, and we'll put those shows, those links in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah. Easy. Like just LinkedIn is the best and then slash Lana Alia. That's the best way to find me. And then, yeah, feel free to follow the journey along. Again, if you have any questions about this type of lifestyle, just reach out and ask me pretty happy to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're always like really forthcoming um with, with the like, you know, sharing about your your personal experience. I think professionally, like what you're doing at Safety Wing, which is really, really awesome. And we didn't even get to dive into the global safety net that you guys are building there. But that's a, a whole nother thing that's really great for um for people in this space, like, you know, from an insurance standpoint, being protected while you're traveling. Uh so we'll we'll also place a link for safety wing in the show notes, but then also like, um, just how you're doing this as a family, a traveling family. Uh, there's, there's a lot of really good information there on your LinkedIn. So I definitely recommend going to check that out if you're listening and enjoyed this one.
1: Yeah, totally. And just like, just do it, right? It's just like a, I'm an entrepreneur and I just figure things out as, uh, you know, the plane is taking off. So, just, <laughs> you know, just do it and go out there and explore and not wait for anyone or anything to be perfect. You know, you're just gonna find your way along the way.
0: Yeah, we'll never reach that perfect state. Right, like you, you talked about that with your kid. Like you, you were saying, like you know, you kept thinking I'll get to that one day, like and once I've done X, Y, and Z. But like, as soon as you've accomplished X, Y is going to be right there on the horizon, and you're going to want to do that, and so that you'll never get to that stage.
1: A hundred percent, and that's what I wanted to mention as you're closing out here is that I was, I I used to be so goal oriented and say like I want to have a billion dollar company, and that's. That was like, I hung everything on that. And my happiness was so tied to it, which I later found that I don't really need to have an exit because I was hoping for an exit. I was hoping to get wealthy enough like the VCs, so I could have the life, which meant freedom and flexibility. But then when I discovered that I can actually have that with the setup that we have in our work then I don't necessarily need to be rich. I don't need to have that type of windfall of money so that then I can live the life I want. I was like, actually, I'm living it right now. And this is exactly what I want. And if I can do an amazing job uh, at my company that fulfills me, that's awesome. And like, who cares about the billion dollar company? I mean, that's kind of like an ego thing. And Having that, uh, you know, out of my view has been so healing for me because in Silicon Valley, that's all you talk about, right? Like your worth is only tied to your exit or to your success in your startup, and that was really, really hard for me. So,
0: I think I think everybody's got their version of that. One hundred percent of the people that I've talked to, myself included, in this. Um, at one stage in life, like had that version, their own version of that exit or that that billion dollar company that was preventing them from living the life that they really wanted to live now. And they had to get over that and, and get and sacrifice. Like, it's like, there's a mourning process there. You kind of like cut it off and like, begrudgingly leave it behind and you're like looking over your shoulder, like it's it's still there kind of, but I'm walking away. I think it's what I want to do. <laughs> um, but eventually you get over that hump and you're like, and and then a hundred percent of those people are on the other side of that hump going, damn, I'm so happy I did that. That, that was the best thing I ever did. So yeah. Um, well, thank you, Lona. This has been amazing. And uh, I look forward to following the the family journey even more now and, uh, and enjoying your home country very, very Thank soon. Thank you,
1: And, uh, yeah, let's meet up when you're here with your wife. would love to show you some things and eat some pasta.
0: We will do that. Oh, it's can't wait. Maybe this will be launching right about the same time. So, Excellent. um, awesome. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank See you. We'll speak then. soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links about abroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam guaranteed or rate this slash where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me. It also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.